Hi everybody, I'm Seth Busby, editor of Flying Solo. Welcome to our weekly podcast where we step inside the minds and lives of soloists and small business owners. Today's guest is Olivia Carr. Olivia's story is a real rags to riches tale. Dropping out of school as a teenager, pregnant by 19 and 100K in debt by her 20s, Olivia spent over a decade in financial hardship before turning her life around. Well, today she runs a multi-million dollar global empire. Her brand, Shh Silk, counts the Kardashians and Selena Gomez amongst its happy clients. And she's passionate about helping other women in business too. She joins us to share her entrepreneurial journey and give us the lowdown on her new enterprise, the Self-Made Academy. Olivia, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. It's an absolute pleasure. I'm really looking forward to our chat. Great, great. So um, for our listeners, I wouldn't mind getting into a little bit about your journey as an entrepreneur. I mean, you came from some pretty challenging circumstances in your early years, but you've become a very successful business owner with Silk. And um, can you tell us what were the circumstances that led to you um, starting your business? Yeah, so it's actually the second business I've had. Uh, my first business was when I was 24 uh, and pregnant with my second child. I thought I would, you know, I, I think a lot of women when they're pregnant have, you know, time to think about what it is that they want to do in life. And I thought that that would be a, a great time to launch my first business. So I had a very successful business for about four years in my 20s called Shows for Kids. It was a touring educational um, business where we used to go around to all the schools in Australia and entertain children around really important issues like cyberbullying, healthy eating and exercise. And um, it was during that business that I actually won the Young Entrepreneur of the Year in I think like 2007, gosh, a long time ago. Um, and the best startup. So that for me was probably my first, I guess, experience of what it's like to be an entrepreneur. I did everything on my own. Um, I wrote all the shows. I did all the choreography. I designed all the, you know, the costumes. And uh, needless to say, I I suffered burnout. So after four and a half years, I actually walked away from that business. I didn't know anything about selling. I didn't know anything about franchising. I literally was so burnt out. I walked away. Um, which I actually think was a blessing because it actually, it made me realize that there's so many other aspects to, to running a business um, that you need to be aware of that I just had no experience in. So I did a few things from there. I went and worked in some corporate roles um, and then I went and worked in uh, for the National Breast Cancer Foundation, which is where my love for kind of doing good stems from. And then I think once you've had a business once or once you've worked for yourself, it's very hard and challenging to kind of become an employee again so after about or oh, I don't know six or seven years I knew it was time uh, I had just finished a role as a general manager at Pacific Brands so Bonds, Sheridan and Champion and, and that group um, and I had dabbled a little bit in e-commerce when I was there and I was like oh this is an interesting kind of space to be in and that was about 10 years ago now um, and I was like that that's something that kind of excites me was very new at the time. Not a lot of big brands were doing much in the e-com space. And so I decided that maybe it was time to kind of launch my own uh, business again. And, and yeah, I, you know, it was a little bit too how I ended up doing silk pillowcases. But essentially, I always knew that, you know, it was just a matter of time before I would do my own thing. Um, and here we are eight years later. 
<laughs> and and how did you come to the idea of silk pillowcases? Yeah, it's like it's such a simple story. It's nothing too like extravagant. I have always slept on silk. My hairdresser, like many women, um, get recommended by their hairdressers because I, you know, I get a, a regular blow dry and I like to get as many days out of it. Um, <laughs> definitely helps with that. And I think I'd had this one for gosh about ten years, and I was traveling with my children in the US sort of thinking about it was at that stage in 2015 where I was like well what will I do next what is that next venture going to look like and the first night my white silk pillowcase got removed the next morning with the housekeeping never oh, to be no. seen again. <laughs> never to be seen again uh, and I got back home from that trip and I was googling and I was like oh it's so annoying that I have to pay a hundred dollars to replace this thing because they've always been you know a similar price because silk's you know an expensive fabric and I was like, oh, I just really like a zip. Like I just want a zipper because it, it falls off my pillow. And there just wasn't one globally. And it was literally that that genuinely was the light bulb moment. I was like, oh, you know, I wonder if I could make one. And then if I could make it, would other people want it? Three days later, I flew to China to learn everything about silk. And then um, I think everyone thought I was absolutely crazy just launching such a niche product uh, into the market. But yeah. It worked and I think it's a lot to do with the PR stuff that I'm sure we're going to get into today. Um, but, yeah, I gave myself six months. But that was essentially that's it came because I lost it and I wanted an improved version so I created it. You have quite an interesting story about turning up at um, Chris Jenner's doorstep. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, so that was part of my, I guess, my master PR plan. So uh, for those listeners that, that watch the show, they'll probably be aware that the girls, uh, including the grandma actually, have always slept on silk pillowcases, again, for similar reasons than I have. Um, so I knew that they loved the product and I knew that the ones that they were using at the time were, they looked to be handmade, to be honest, like someone had obviously made them for them. Because you know, if you go back eight years ago, there really weren't many silk pillowcases on the market, probably close to 300 brands today. Um, and... I was like, you know what, if I can make something that I'm proud of, I'm pretty sure they're going to love it too. So I I had this plan in my mind that I would just turn up on the doorstep and hand deliver them and that is basically what I did. <laughs> <laughs> How would you get through those gates? <laughs> I know. Um, it's such a crazy story and it's, you know, I think it's important to share it because even though I've shared this story so many times with so many people that it's the first time they've heard it. But, look, it's there was a lot of... Um, uh, I, it's a lot of I don't want to say luck but for me I didn't even know that gated communities existed I genuinely thought I was turning up to a work uh, you know a work address because I had Chris Jenner's work address I didn't realize that at the time she was working from her residence so of course when I get off the plane and I hire the car and I turn up uh, turn up to the the address I realize it's a gated community of which I've never experienced because coming from you know Melbourne we just don't have gated communities uh, and at that point, I was like, oh, God, you know, how is this going to work? Uh, and sure enough, I, I approached the gate and told them that I was there to see Jenna Communications. They took my ID and they let me through. When I got to the driveway, though, um, there was a do not cross rope because uh, she was renovating her driveway. And at that point, there were so many cameras. And, you know, as I pull up, there's two matching Rolls Royces. One was grey and one was black, which I later Googled was Kim and Kanye's matching Rolls Royces because they were living there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the, whole, the whole experience was incredibly overwhelming it happened really quickly um, but the adrenaline had had definitely taken over my uh, sane 
saying logic mind because, you know, I really shouldn't have been there. And then I'm looking at this thing saying, do not cross. And I'm like, oh, I'm here now. I've come all this way. What do I do? And a UPS truck uh, turned up at that exact moment to hand deliver uh, some packages to the property. And he just walked over the rope and I was like, right. So I jumped out of the car. I had my box and a, a handwritten letter that I'd, I'd written to Chris um, explaining my life, my story, my mission and, and the whole lot. I put my box down and I could hear noises and voices inside. And then at that point I was like, no, it, just get out of here. You absolutely have to get out of here. Uh, and I left and then, yeah, four months later we got, uh, we got a, an email from Kim's uh, PA and that's kind of essentially where we started working with them. We're still blessed to be able to say that we still have relationships with the family today. It was only a few weeks ago that Chris uh, wanted some custom PJs for her and her six girlfriends. So it's been a six or seven year relationship now that started with one very crazy idea <laughs> that wasn't very well thought through because I think if anyone, you know, you couldn't do it today because um, obviously security's definitely, you know, a lot different than it was, you know, the, even though they were very famous eight years ago, I think they're, they've really blown up since. So I don't think that would work. I don't condone trespassing, but I genuinely didn't, <laughs> genuinely didn't know. So it's, I'm always a, a bit awkward talking about it. Cause I'm like, Oh, I'm definitely not condoning people, you know, talking <laughs> their way through data communities, but that is the story and I have to own it. So yeah. <laughs> and it worked out well for you in the end. <laughs> so given that that was uh, such an unpredictable outcome, were there ever any thoughts that maybe, you know, this is a crazy idea, it, it might not work and I'm putting everything on the line? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, um, one of the, the constant themes that I bring into the business, uh, I mean, even this morning, I've been going through this process with my with my new book is, how can I make it fun? Like, Everything I do when it comes down to PR or marketing or trying to make impact with the brand, it's like, how can I make this interaction with, I don't know, in this case, Chris Jenner, or it could be with anyone, how can I make it fun for them? How can I make it fun for me? And I don't really try and put too much, uh, I guess, thinking around it, N not too much strategic thinking, because Honestly, I think if I, like I, I joked then that if you sort of stopped and worked your way through it, you would never do that idea. And so for me, would it have mattered if that didn't pay off? Truthfully, probably not because I've done so many other things that are similar to that, that not every idea that you have is going to work. But I think if you have fun along the way, like it's, it doesn't really matter um, because it's like, wow, I still tried that crazy thing. I still, you know, I remember, gosh, I think it was the Ariana Grande concert that, you know, we turned up to her hotel uh, in Melbourne when she was there and, you know, we did some crazy PR stuff in that hotel and we've done stuff for Kylie and Kendall when they were like, I don't know, it's just doing enough things regularly and some of them will drop. So that one, it was amazing because it did work. The story probably would have been very different if it didn't work, but it did. So it's hard to kind of look back on that now. But I think if that one didn't work, I would have tried something else. How important have those kind of celebrity endorsements been to the brand's growth? Yeah, huge. Um, I think, you know, whilst I'm not, a, I talk about this in the book as well, I'm not a huge believer in all the Daily Mail articles around, you know, this brand was seen on this celebrity and sold out, you know, a thousand pairs of, I don't, I don't necessarily buy into that um, because I think that when you do things with celebrities, it's not always about selling out of your product. It's about, I guess, 
getting a really well, one it's about relationships if you keep and nurture them ongoing but the actual moment that you get it's about what you do with that moment and for us because we've had such amazing cut through with so many celebrities um, you know things like hotel collaborations it makes it so much easier to get in the door to some of the most prestigious hotels around the world because we have celebrities wearing our product and wanting to wear our product that stay in their hotel so I think it's it's what you do with that moment that really matters. And if people approach uh, any sort of gifting as I just want them to, to put my product online so that I sell out, it's not really how it works. Mm. Um, yeah. Did you sell out though, out of curiosity? <laughs> uh, well, back in the day when we were early, I could say that we would have sold out. So we went from me working at home to then moving into an office of nine people in Chadston. But also I want to kind of put a caveat to that, that, you know, eight, eight or seven or eight years ago, selling out for us, the quantities would have been so small. So it's very, it's, you have to put a correct lens on it. I mean, someone can say they sold out if they only have five items of something. Yeah. <laughs> so back, you know, I know what we were buying back in those days and yeah, okay, cool. We would have sold out, especially in our marble one time and time again, but we we're probably only ordering 300 at a time each time back then. So, which is still amazing. Um, but is it like a, I don't know, a, a Nike selling out of, you know, a million SKUs of something. It's not quite the same. Um, so it's all relative. And I try and keep things very down to earth because I think one of the things that um, I don't like as a founder is I don't necessarily like um, seeing things overly hyped without – I think it's good to have hype, but it's also good to back that up and help other founders with a bit of the truth-telling behind the scenes. Mm. So how have you managed scaling the brand? You mentioned, you know, going from working at home to then moving into your own space. What? Yeah, so I think, look, some of those big things. So, yes, we had that one moment, but I think where the growth for the brand really started early on was we did we focused heavily on PR, um, a huge amount of gifting, a huge amount of events, uh, particularly in the beginning, like the first three years, everything we did was in America. Most of the brands that we worked with back in the day would have thought we were an American brand because I guess coming from a global, um, you know, a global brand before starting my own, I just saw how much work it takes. You know, I worked for, say, Bonds and they're back in the day, I think they were more than 100 years old or they're about to be 100 years old and they hadn't yet tapped into the global market. And I just noticed how hard it was for them to try and break into America even though I think the average Australian when I was there has seven pieces of bonds, you know, so they are, a, you know, a brand that is highly recognised in Australia and yet was so challenging for them to try and initially um, get cut through. And I just remember thinking, wow, I think I need to do things differently. I think I need to try and get cut through in America from day one because it takes the same amount to build your brand there as it would in Australia. So I think that paid off. Um, truthfully for us, I know because I, I work with a lot of e-commerce brands now that, you know, maybe they've been around for three or four years and they're now trying to get into other markets. And whilst it's good, you know, test your product locally, it then kind of doubles the work when you've then got to try and do it all again. Um, so my advice there would be if you are starting a brand or if, you've, if you're small enough still, try and grow it all. I'm not all, you can't do it all, but try and grow your biggest markets at the same time because, um, yeah, and I think for us, like the biggest growth has come from some of our biggest uh, hotel collections and collaborations. It's, you know, we've just partnered with uh, a company called The Hotel Co., which is led by my old partner at the Beverly Hills Hotel, um, where we're now just launching into hotels around the world. So I think 
And all of that, again, those relationships really did stem from getting that credibility early on with some influential people in the world. So I will say that you don't need a huge marketing budget to do any of this. We've not ever paid a an influencer or anyone to endorse our products. I think where we've got the biggest cut through from that is making the experience really uh, amazing and impactful for the individual. So it's not always about just sending your product. There's so many times where we don't send our product at all. I mean, I remember one really cool story. Um, Kim, this is probably back in 2018-ish, Kim is obsessed with, Kim Kardashian is obsessed with a particular flavor of Skittles. Like she just loves the, oh, nerds, sorry, not Skittles, nerds. And so as soon as I heard her say that on her Instagram, I got onto Amazon in the US and I was like, I need to find the world's largest box of nerds in that flavor. And I got to her. And of course, the next day she posts it and she calls us out and she says, thank you. It has nothing to do with silk pillowcases, but it has everything to do with the relationship and acknowledging that we get her, we, you know, that's something that we knew she'd love. And of course that she did because she shared it. And it's just having those moments with them. You know, you're dealing with people who have access to everything in the world. How can you give them that one second of joy and pleasure? Uh, and, and that's where I would suggest you spend a lot of creative thinking time is, is in creating those memorable moments for people. Do you um, workshop your ideas or is, is a lot of stuff like these creative ideas just coming straight out of your head? Yeah, they just come to, that's the tricky part. They do come straight out of my head. Um, and I do, a lot of, <laughs> I do a lot of mentoring with other brands and, and I have a whole six-hour session just designed on creative thinking. So it's not necessarily to mentor them on how to creatively think, but it's it allows me to get into their business, to get into their psyche, literally sit with me for six hours and I will just fly off a whole lot of ideas Um I had one recently for TLC for Kids, which is a charity that's trying to to launch this amazing kind of app at the moment, and they need it in the hands of five million uh, Australians as quick as possible. And we got on a Zoom call, and I was like, "Well, that's easy." And he's like, "What do you mean?" And I said, "Well, you just need to do something really cool and do a partnership with a, a toilet paper brand. Every household needs toilet paper, and I guarantee you're going to get you know five million eyeballs on the toilet paper. Do something really interactive on the toilet paper, and like that, like I can't." And, and they love the idea and I think they're rolling, they think they're going with it. But it's like I can't uh, necessarily explain how, how another brand can come up with these ideas other than, oh, I, don't, I don't know, sometimes I'm like if I could teach them how to do anything, it's you have to think bigger than anyone else is willing to think and go bigger. Like jumping on a plane and, and hand delivering to Kris Jenner was probably the biggest move I could do. And sure, to your question before, if that didn't land, something still would have landed, maybe just not as high as I initially thought, but something probably still would have landed from that, which is still probably going to be further than I would have got if I, you know, sat down and we brainstormed, you know, some ideas. Sometimes I think you've just got to be brave, go big, and if you fall short, it's still going to be bigger than you probably would have originally went. Mm. I think that's really great advice, but a lot of people are pretty risk adverse, so how would you tell them to overcome that? And I think sometimes that's also kind of tied up with imposter syndrome as well, you know, like maybe they don't think they're good enough or what they're doing is good enough. So then why will their big idea work? So does that ever impact you? Do you ever feel challenged by 
that little voice in your head going, nah, nah, no, Olivia. <laughs> I mean, all the time I'm human. Um, I had a, a really weird day yesterday. So November 1 uh, was the day of my book launch. And of course, I'm in isolation at the moment um, of all weeks. Uh, and I had a whole day where I was like, oh, God, like, what would I be doing today if I wasn't stuck indoors? And that was really frustrating because firstly, I would have been out doing, and this is the thing, I had no concrete plan specifically of what I would have done yesterday in Melbourne. If I was in Melbourne, I'm, I'm in Brisbane isolating, but I know I would have done some crazy PR stunt yesterday that probably would have got picked up that had no prior thought because I literally would have woken up and, and something would have come to me. So I was sitting here yesterday and I was like, oh, how can I replicate something from isolation? Like, what is that going to be? And I sat there and all day and I was like, nothing's coming. Nothing is coming. <laughs> it's like, and it's frustrating. And of course, when nothing comes, then the doubt like sinks in going, oh my God, like, are you going to be able to, you know, because I obviously have as big aspirations to get some amazing things done, not necessarily because of the book. I think it's, I like to impact other founders and help them along their journey, but it's like, I need to get this book in the hands of so many people. How can I do that? And I start to lose faith in myself sometimes for moments when, when those ideas don't come. But truthfully, what do I do? I probably, like yesterday, I got to the point where I was like, just shut the laptop. Like you can't force ideas. You cannot force them. Um, if people don't have the belief, that's hard. I talk about in the book ways to get around that and I think a big one is that, you know, I it's a, a terrible kind of saying but you kind of do have to fake it till you make it. Like you, you, you actually have to be brave like because even if it doesn't work, what's the worst that could happen? You, you tried it. Cool, it doesn't work. Like you're no worse off. Like you're actually no worse off. The only potential is upside because you could be so much better off. So it's, you do have to, there's a whole lot of stuff like inner work that I talk about. You really do need to go through that process of what are the blocks? Why are you struggling with your self-belief? And honestly, it's something I go through all the time myself. You mentioned there as well, uh, wanting to help women entrepreneurs and do you think that it's more challenging for women in the entrepreneurial space still? I do. Um, and I think it's a number of reasons. I, well, I had a child when I was 19, so I've been a mum for a long time now. I think that there is something around, this is just my opinion on it. Um, there is something around when you become a mum as well. And often a lot of business owners are either mums or they become mums as part of the journey. You you are so used to doing stuff for others that when you then start your own business and you have to do everything for yourself and, and you essentially are in charge of creating your own dream life, it feels odd and it feels, it feels challenging because as mums, as women, I just think innately we are so used to putting others before ourselves um, I think there's a there's a change in that. I see a positive change. Like I, my daughter's 22 now and I just look at the way that she lives her life and, and the things that she's doing and I'm, I'm blown. Like she is my inspiration. I'm blown away by this young human that's just like such an empowered woman. But for me, I'm 42 and I'm like, it, it's it's a work in progress. Like it's a daily mindset work in progress to 
have the same confidence or just to sometimes not even like, you know, I don't, it's not even about comparing women and men. Um, it's just we are different with different beings and we, we have different brains and thought patterns. And um, But I think, again, it, it all comes down to it's what we tell ourselves and it doesn't have to be that way. Like, and we're in, we are in control of the choices that we make and we can choose to think differently. We can choose to wake up in the morning saying, you know, today I'm going to have an amazing day and I'm going to call 10 people to try and book, you know, ABC deals or I'm going to go and see five new clients and then just do it. Like commit to yourself and then just do it, even how uncomfortable it might feel it may not feel natural and it, you may not, but you can choose, you literally can choose to live your day however you tell yourself. And equally you can choose to do nothing because you get so caught up on feeling lack of confidence, lack of self-belief, lack of is this ever going to work, you know. I don't know. I just think nothing's easy so you may as well take the hard road uh, and challenge yourself. Mm. Is that one of the reasons why you've decided to launch Self Made Academy as well? Yeah, it's 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 all about mindset. Like it's, I mean, there's so many. I don't want to be another course online. I think there's some amazing courses online, but I also think there is an influx of courses and coaches and, gosh, everywhere on Instagram these days. That's not my intent. Uh, my intent is I'm so passionate about, I guess, sharing with people the things that I do daily, like there's a section on there that's being built out at the moment that's, you know, just daily mind training. Like we go to the gym to exercise our muscles. You need to do this stuff for your mind. Like you you have to create a mindset muscle for yourself where you, over time, it does build courage. Like you do start to feel braver. You do start to have more self-belief. You do start to take more risks because you truly have learned how to back yourself or you've learned that even – even if you do fail, it, it doesn't, you don't break. Like you, you don't break. Like you just pick yourself up and tomorrow's a new day. How important was it for you to have, um, I don't know, peer support or support from your family when you've been on this journey? Oh, amazing. Like uh, I had a whole chapter dedicated to an old boss uh, from, you know, in my 20s that was in my life for about eight years that, Honestly, the whole time was all about mindset. He, he introduced me to the, you know, the power of reading, um, little things like, you know, this sounds really ridiculous, but things like keeping your car spotless, keeping your room tidy. It's like, well, what does that have to do with business? It's how you do one thing is how you do all things. So if you can have the discipline to keep your space clear, to keep it sorted, to keep it organized, to have, I don't know, kind of pride in your surroundings around you like your external is often uh a reflection of what's going on internally so if your outside world if you you know if you get in your car today or if you go home tonight after work irrespective of how busy we all are these are just the daily disciplines that I really talk about as well a lot in the book is if you can train yourself to get disciplined with doing the thing it's so easy sometimes to just be like oh I'm tired I'll just I'll leave the dishes till I get home from work no if you actually just take that one minute to get the dishes done before you go to work when you come home your space is clear you can relax like but then that flows on into how you do business because 
you'll get to work, you'll have a to-do list and you'll be more likely to have the discipline to actually get through a few of the, like it's, it's so fascinating to me, but that was one of the biggest things that he instilled in me over many years was like just the whole notion of like daily discipline. And it's, it, if you do the small things well, the big things will take care of themselves. Mm. What's a typical day for you? Uh, there's a few daily disciplines. Uh, I usually walk along the beach, so I'm a, a big advocate as well for, you know, balance. Um, so I'll usually start with a nature walk or a, a walk. Um, like this morning, 6.30, I was out walking the dog uh, with my all around. Um, and then I will normally start, I'll review my, I'm a big to-do list person. So I will start with the top 10 things that I have to do every day. But my tip there would be for anyone listening, even starting with one, like what's that one thing that you know you need to do today that you haven't done? Like there's a great book, Eat That Frog, right? The hardest thing that you need to do, is it that you need to call someone that owes you money? Is it that you need to book, uh, you know, a client, like whatever that one, if you could just do one thing every day, just one thing, what would that be? And make sure you do it. I try and do 10 every day. Uh, and then for me, it would be, you know, we, we use Basecamp, which is like a Slack tool. So checking in with the team, making sure that everybody's set up for the day. I definitely don't micromanage. So my team have a lot of autonomy, but I do like to check in. And then for me, I like to leave a lot of space in the day for, I mean, the thing that lights me up the most, we've talked about it a lot on this, this conversation is that creative thinking. I'm most lit up by doing things every day that I think will make impact for the person receiving it, impact for the business, impact for small business people. So, you know, I will leave space in the day for that. Um, I'm not a big meeting person, uh, you know, coming from corporate. I just think there's so, so much time wasted on meetings and not enough action. So I spend most of my day actually doing things and then I used to, up until a couple of weeks ago, I used to pick my son up every day from school. He's in year 11, but he's now wanting to catch the train. So that's the first time I've stopped that in a long time. Uh, and then I will listen to a podcast. Uh, I have therapy every Friday. So depending on the day I have therapy, that's a non-negotiable. Uh, I think that can be some of the best business coaching, even though it's, um, you know, a therapist is not really a business coach. That comes back to what I talk about. It's all about mindset. So if I'm going through challenging times at work, whether it's, I don't know, it could be anything to do with like the economy or just things that I'm facing, often I'll find that when I go into my therapy, it's it's usually we're talking about those self-limiting beliefs and where that stems from and what, you know, old thought patterns I might be experiencing, past trauma. Um, I'm a huge advocate for therapy. Um, but yeah, my day is... Um, Usually somewhere in the day, I'll try and do a random act of kindness um, of some sort, literally every day. Those that know me personally, they literally, they see it daily. And that can be, um, I don't know, morning walking past someone, purchasing someone a coffee, paying it forward in some way. To me, I think purpose is huge. Purpose is why I do what I do. Um, yeah. I mean, my day is, I would say it flows. It's not. I don't, I rarely have a stressful day. Uh, you know, we're coming into Black Friday month and I don't feel stressed. I'm locked up at the moment. I feel relatively calm. I feel agitated that I can't get out and do things. Um, yeah, but I think flow would be important. I think you can't, um, I don't subscribe to hustle culture anymore. It's something that I've experienced too many times in my life. 
you know, the working 17 hours a day on your laptop till two in the morning, up at seven, just that burnout. Like I, I now have mental health because I've burnt out twice and I just do not subscribe to, to any of that. I think it's toxic. I think it's damaging for our health. Um, so I'm probably more on the other side now where I have a lot of space in my day for things that just come up. Like I, I make space for things that come up. Mm. So what advice then would you have for small business owners who actually usually are notoriously lacking in time for themselves and often have very poor mental health outcomes? Like how can you encourage them to take better care of themselves and address those mental health challenges that go with running a business? I'm just grabbing my book because in the very back of the book, there is something that I put in here that I don't think enough people know about. Um, so I would suggest anyone listening to this that is struggling a little bit at the moment, feeling burnt out in any way, there is an amazing initiative um, that's provided by Beyond Blue uh, and it's called New Access Mental Health Coaching and it's free and you get, it's open to any business owner with fewer than 20 employees and from memory you get about six free sessions of mental health slash business coaching support from someone through the Beyond Blue network. I try and tell as many people about that as possible because one thing I will say is that therapy can be really expensive uh, in Australia. I think that's a good place to start or at least explore because what you'll learn through that process is that a big part of managing mental health as a small business owner is, you know, making sure you don't get burnt out. I will say from my own experience that when I was working, grinding, doing the 17 hours days for four and a half years, our business surprisingly wasn't making profit uh, our revenue was large and we were not making profit and when I got burnt out and had to step away from the business and slow down in 2017 um, it was around the time when I took a different approach to working that we actually started making profit so I think the reason that is is because when you take a, a more strategic approach to how your day goes and you focus on things that will make impact because what I what I found to be true for myself in the early years is it's so easy to do a lot and to keep yourself busy and to be doing a lot of things but often they're the wrong things you're just filling your day up with the wrong things like I said before if you could find one thing every single day that could truly impact and, and help to grow your business which will take a lot of courage because there'll be big things that you need to do you can work a lot less and actually make a bigger financial impact and a better mental health impact on your own life. Hmm. So the book Self-Made, what would you say would be perhaps the most valuable piece of advice that, that business owners would get from reading the book? Definitely taking action, um, daily action. Like we can all sit here, we all have goals, we all like I want to achieve things, but at the end of the day if you're not really prepared to back that up with action, like, truly committing to taking action every single day the chances are it's probably not going to happen um you know I think I put a quote in there something about dreams without action are just wishes and it sounds so simple but I mean I've mentored gosh close to probably I don't know over 100 women since 2019 and I think the the fundamental pattern that I see coming through is that we all say we want things but to actually back that up with with really going for it, that's the disconnect. And I think the book will help you. The book will actually help you work out 
what you need to do yourself to be able to take the daily action. Mm. What do you think was the thing that really spurred you into action? Uh, 14 years of financial hardship. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you've been in a, if you've been in a dark place, if you've really faced adversity in life, I think, I think some of the best people, some of the best business owners, um, some of the best brands, some of the best founders have all faced some sort of adversity. And I think once you've hit rock bottom, one, in some weird way, you're not totally terrified of it happening again but you remember it well enough to know that you know what not to do to end there again if that makes sense but also I I don't know it sounds so simple but literally just doing something every like it's the momentum it's just creating momentum if you're stuck you're stuck because you're not moving so just move forward yeah (laughs) just keep going yeah (laughs) It sounds like it sounds so simplistic, like it sounds so simplistic, but actually when you put it into action, like that's when you'll start to see results. Like, you know, I've helped so many women with their personal finances, um, you know, building their own like, you know, wealth creation. Women that like even my mum who's 70 who just doesn't come from a, a time where women were encouraged to save, just even that fundamentally teaching them if you just do this one thing every day, over time, watch what happens. And sure enough, the amount of women are like, I cannot believe it. This is the first time in my life where I've, you know, paid off my credit card or I can cut my credit card up where I've been able to take a holiday. Like it's just, and nothing changed. These women didn't get more money in their bank account. They just changed the way they were doing things. Mm. Yeah. Little steps, incremental, just keep going. I think that's probably just about all we've got time for. Where can we get the book? Uh, so the book is in most, I I had some friends reach out yesterday in Melbourne and it's, it's been in every bookstore that they've been to so far. So I'm assuming it's in most bookstores Australia-wide. It's in all the airports. It's on Amazon, Booktopia. Um, you can get it from my website, oliviacart.com.au. Um, yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, Olivia. It's been great having you on the show today. Amazing. Thank you so much and have a beautiful afternoon. You too.